Let's be honest, it takes some extra effort to be a good consumer, to make sure you're getting a good price on quality merchandise, to find top-notch service providers, and to protect yourself from the liars and cheats who want to rip you off or steal your identity. But trust me on this, the time it takes to do it right is nothing compared to dealing with the problems that can result if you make poor choices. I'm Herb Weisbaum, the Consumer Man, a contributing editor at Checkbook.org. Welcome to Consumerpedia. At Checkbook.org, we're the nonprofit that helps consumers select services, avoid trouble, and save money. Because we don't accept any advertising or take money from any business we recommend, you can rely on Checkbook.org to be completely independent and objective. Now, here's the host of Consumerpedia, America's consumer expert, the consumer man, Herb Weisbaum. This is my favorite week of the year. We're posting this episode during National Consumer Protection Week, a time to freshen up those important consumer skills you need all year round. To celebrate, we've assembled a group of experts who are going to share some important advice. Let's start with a few tips from Consumer's Checkbook. That means me and Executive Editor Kevin Brassler. Hey, Herb. So how do you want to do this? Do you want to do this by age, which would be me, by alphabetical, which would be me, or rock, paper, scissors? We, if we do age, it's going to be a while till I get started here because, uh, you know, you're so much older than everyone. The train took off a lot earlier than me. All right, let's start with you because right. you signed my paycheck. Based on 25 years of trying to protect consumers, what's the one thing that you want to share with our listeners? You know, I often get asked, how can people protect against fraud and abuse and just bad service in general? And the advice I give over and over again is if you can pay by credit card. Uh, and the reason is, is that there are a few different protections that protect you against those things, against bad service and especially against fraud. The first thing is there's something called the Federal Fair Credit Billing Act. And that basically says if you've used a credit card to buy something, uh, whether it's a service or a product that was shipped to you or whatever, and it's not what was expected, what was promised, or mm -hmm. if the thing never shows up, or if you were getting service from a company and you weren't satisfied with the service, that you can protest that charge. And the credit card companies, they have to investigate. They have to determine whether or not the company was at fault and whether or not you are owed money. The credit card companies themselves have even more protections in place. When businesses want to accept credit cards, they have to agree to a merchant's agreement. And if there's a problem, they're going to investigate. And the credit card company has the right to do what's called a chargeback. Uh, which basically means they take money out of that company's bank account and credits your account. We find that credit card companies overwhelmingly side on behalf of consumers in these disputes. And so by asking for these chargebacks, you can usually get resolution. You're not going to eliminate the entire headache of having to deal with the problem, but at least you have this recourse of getting your money back. And it's a very strong protection. We, we call it a consumer protection super weapon. It really is. And I always tell people, and a lot of folks don't know this, you don't get the same fraud protections with a debit card, which is why when you shop online or over the phone or some unknown company, use the credit card and not the debit card. Yeah, you still can dispute a charge with the debit card if it was issued through Visa and MasterCard and the payment was processed that way. But a big problem is, yeah, there's the federal law doesn't really protect you in those types of transactions. And really, what a bigger problem is that the money's already gone. The money's already been deducted from your account. And so while you can still dispute it, it's different in the sense that with credit card companies, they freeze that charge. You're not responsible for paying that part of your bill while they decide whether or not to issue a chargeback or not. With a debit card transaction, you can still get your money back. You know, the money's already gone and it's not this frozen amount that you're not responsible for. 
Right. It's your money versus the bank's money. If it takes them 10 days or more to put it back in your account, how do you pay your mortgage or your rent or that sort of thing? I, I still think, though, if, if you'd rather pay by debit card for whatever reason, if, if you want to keep your debt down, if you have a big credit card balance and you just don't like to pay that way, just make sure the transaction goes through like the Visa MasterCard system. Therefore, you are you do have some protections from the credit card companies themselves or the debit card bank itself against abuse. You can still fight fraud, but it's just far better than using cash or writing a check. Uh, that Now that company has your, your money and it's very difficult to get it back in those instances. You know, one thing I learned since I've joined Checkbook is the value of comparison shopping. I always try to comparison shop, but I never realized how dramatically prices vary for the exact same thing from one service provider to another. So I think most people, they say, well, you know, I'd rather go with a higher cost firm if it does better work. You know, I don't want to have to pay this low price to get lousy work. And you don't have to. I mean, we've been finding this uh, with Checkbook studies for more than 40 years now. That in terms of consumer services, local consumer services, you know, roofing, plumbing, electrical work, uh, stores, healthcare providers like dentists, veterinarians, kennels, and so on, that you don't have to pay more to get better quality work. That there really isn't a relationship at all between price and quality. Really good companies to get really high ratings are just as likely to have low prices as companies that do lousy work. There's no relationship, and so you do have to shop around to make sure you're getting a good price and that you're getting good quality. And not just price, compare warranties. When I put the new air conditioning unit in our house, most of the models had a 10-year warranty on the compressor. There was one model that was just a couple of hundred dollars more, and I got a 20-year warranty. That's a big difference, and I went with that one. So you're right. That's often advice that we give is that check what guarantee you get, check what warranties you get, and, and find out if things don't go well what recourse you have. Uh, you know, despite these protections we get from our credit card companies and from other laws and regulations, it really is a good idea to shop and make sure that you're getting the right price and more important to make sure you're dealing with a reputable company. Good information. Kevin, thank you so much. Thanks, Herb. We're joined now by a good friend and a real consumer crusader. Edgar Dworsky, a former assistant attorney general of Massachusetts, now publishes the website consumerworld.org. Edgar, you've been protecting consumers for a long, long time. What advice do you have to share? I think basically you need to review your business relationships every year. That means double check your cable bill, your, your cell bill, your credit card, your bank account. You may have started these accounts years ago. The market has changed and maybe you're not getting the best rate, the best package or the best price. So let's just take a couple of those credit cards. What should you be doing with your credit cards? If you are paying a high rate of interest, you know, see if there's a card that pays you a lesser rate. Or maybe you signed up at a time when you did a lot of traveling, so you wanted to collect miles, but now you've decided, well, you don't do that much traveling. So maybe a card that gives you cash back, you know, one or two or 3% back might be a better deal for you. Basically, review the terms of your credit card annually, and maybe there are better options out there. And with cell phone service or cable TV service? You know, you can get an unlimited plan by some providers for $25. If you're paying $50, $60, or $70 a month, that really adds up over a year's time. So reevaluate your calling plan, what you're paying per month, the phone that you have. Maybe you can get a new one for nothing on an offer somewhere else. 
But again, you may save money if you shop around once a year. And when you find the results of your shopping around, you may get a better deal by switching, right, to going to a different cable provider if there's an option in your neighborhood or if you go to a different cell phone company, you might get a better offer from the competition. Well, you might get a better offer from the company itself. You know, before you leave them, you might call your current provider and say, look, I've checked the competition and look, they they offer a triple play for $99. I'm paying close to 200 to you. Is there anything you can do? So it could be a win-win. If you stay with the company, maybe they'll give you a better deal. And if you move on, you may get a better deal elsewhere. And I know one thing you want to talk about is for all the folks who are on Medicare, something they should be thinking about. I think about a friend who I helped years ago set up a Part D drug plan. Um, And, you know, you get a good price. Maybe it's $13 or $20 a month. The prices of drug plans change every year. How much and what is included changes every year. Don't rely on a plan that you picked years ago. You should make during open enrollment some educated choices as to which plans are out there and then pick the one that's best for you currently based on your medical needs. You know, there are so many things that your advice applies to. I mean, auto insurance, home insurance, we keep these policies for years and years, assuming we're always getting the best deal. Some of these companies now have algorithms that indicate this person's never going to leave, so we don't have to give them a better price. You really do from time to time have to reshop all the purchases you make. You absolutely have to reshop. And if it's not once a year, at least every other year, or do them in rotation. I know when I've shopped around for car insurance, I went with a policy at a company where my old boss worked. Well, it kept creeping up year after year, and I was able to save a couple of hundred dollars by going to a new company. It is absolutely kind of an underused tip to reshop all your business relationships. In many cases, you're talking about big bucks that could be saved either on a monthly or annual basis. The other thing to keep track of is all these subscriptions people have. You sign up for all these different streaming platforms. Maybe you watch the series you wanted to see. You forget about it. It automatically renews. Kind of important to check those things as well. If you check the fine print, you'll see that many of these things just keep going and going. And if you don't stop them, you're going to keep getting charged. Maybe a price that's too high. Speaking of fine print, besides consumerworld.org, Edgar also runs mouseprint.org, where he checks on all the fine print. So you might want to check out both of those, consumerworld.org and mouseprint.org. Edgar, always a pleasure. Thanks for sharing your advice with us. Thanks, Herb. Still more advice to come. This is Consumerpedia, powered by checkbook.org. If you like what you hear, we hope you'll consider being a Consumerpedia supporter by using the link at the bottom of the show notes to make a small contribution each month. This is Consumerpedia. The folks at the AARP Fraud Watch Network not only try to keep you from becoming a victim of fraud, but they try to help you if, unfortunately, the bad guys are able to convince you to do something you shouldn't do. On the line with us right now is Amy Nofsker from the AARP Fraud Watch Network. Hi, Herb. Thanks for having me. So based on all the folks you guys have worked with and hearing all the stories of people who have been snookered, what's the takeaway? What advice do you want to share with folks? That it can happen to anybody. You know, in my 21 years of working in the fraud space at AARP, 
therapy. That is one thing that I know that is tried and true. Doesn't matter your education level, where you grew up, how much money you have. It really just depends on your emotional status at that point in time when you are faced with that scam and how manipulative the criminal is, but we can all be a victim. So when you get the phone call or the text that says it's the IRS and we're going to come over in 10 minutes and arrest you if you don't pay this money right away or we're Social Security and we're about to stop your benefits if you don't contact us right away, what should somebody do? Stop. Um, What they're doing in that situation is putting fear in you. So if you hear those things, if someone is trying to threaten you, put fear in you, if you feel the gut in your stomach, if you feel that churn, if you feel your heart beat getting faster, stop, get out of that situation and talk to a trusted friend, family member, or even call us on the ARP Fraud Watch Network helpline. We can walk you through the situation so you don't lose money. And you don't have to be an AARP member to use this fabulous service. Give folks the number if you would, Amy. Absolutely. It's 1-877-908-3360. And we'll give that again in just a second. One thing that I've noticed when you mentioned about your gut over my decades of consumer reporting is when I talk to victims, they always tell me, it didn't feel right. I thought something was weird. Do we really need to learn to listen to our gut? 100% listen to your gut. It is actually a chemical reaction from your brain trying to warn you that something is not right. So if you have that gut feeling that something is not right, listen to it and talk to someone that you trust about the situation. I know that a lot of people who are victimized are afraid to share that with their family members to let them know what happened. They're embarrassed. They're afraid they'll take the checkbook away or or whatever. My response is really to the family members. And if anyone ever comes and shares with you that they have been a victim of a fraud or scam, always lead with kindness and empathy. There's nothing wrong with saying, I am so sorry that this happened to you. Together, we'll figure out the next step. I always believe that the family, if they realize a senior is maybe starting to deal with cognitive issues, has to proactively try to protect them and clean up the mess on the back. End. So an example, a member of my family has some cognitive issues and had Amazon on her cell phone and she was getting eight or 10 of these scam. Your Amazon account has just been charged $1,000 and freaking out every day and calling me and what do I do? And so we finally took the app off of her telephone and said, if you need something, let us know. And now when she gets these things, she knows it's a scam and doesn't have to worry about it. It was a very simple fix and she didn't fall for any bad guys. Yeah, that's a great solution. We all need help sometimes regardless of our age. And there's a lot of technical things within your phone that you can do to block those phone calls. Set up their contact list and tell them if anyone calls you and they don't pop up on your screen as a contact, let it go to voicemail. And I know a lot of people, especially seniors, trust caller ID. We can't emphasize enough that caller ID can be spoofed and they can make it say whatever they want. Your bank, the IRS, Social Security, local law enforcement. But the thing is, even if you do pick up the phone, if that entity is asking you for personal information, a prepaid gift card, Bitcoin, anything like that, that's the biggest red flag. Hang up the phone. It's nothing but a scammer. Amy Nofsker is with the AARP Fraud Watch Network. One more time, Amy, that 800 number that anybody can use just to ask a question. Say, I got a call, an email, a letter. What do I do here? The number is 877 908 
888-888-3360. Call us anytime, regardless of your age. Um, we are here to help. You know, smart consumers are always on guard against criminals and shady businesses that are trying to scam them. John Brio is a vice president at the National Consumers League, and he runs their fraud.org website. John joins us from the nation's capital. Hi, Herb. Thanks for having me on. Do we all need to be a little bit more skeptical and realize the world is filled with bad people who are trying to scam us and rip us off and that things can be faked, whether it's online or letters or telephone calls or whatever? I don't think it's ever a bad idea to have a healthy dose of skepticism when it comes to how you look at things you see online or you get on a text message or phone calls that you might get out of the blue, that's usually a good first line of defense for many consumers. Now, I don't think that we should expect consumers to be able to always tell if something's a scam or not. Even as somebody who's worked on this issue for as long as I have, I can be deceived. That's the one thing you taught me over the years, that anybody can become a victim of fraud. And if it happens, you really need to say something and do something about it. Yes, reporting is so important. And I don't think that that's something that gets talked about enough. They can report them to their local police department, their state attorney general, the Federal Trade Commission. My organization at fraud.org takes complaints from consumers. And when you do that, while it might not help you get your money back in your particular case, what it does do is helps investigators spot trends to build cases and Many times these scammers can be put behind bars, but the regulators and the enforcement agencies that protect us need evidence. And that evidence usually starts with people like you and me filing complaints about this fraud. For our listeners, if you go to fraud.org, you'll find a lot of good advice there, but you can also, as John said, file a complaint. And John, you share that information with a lot of agencies. That's right. Uh, At fraud.org, we have a network of more than 200 consumer and law enforcement agencies throughout the United States and Canada. We share complaints that come into us confidentially with those law enforcement agencies, and they combine that with complaints that they get from other sources to spot trends and begin enforcement actions against these scammers. And believe it or not, these scammers do get caught and put behind bars, not all the time, but if nobody reports it, they're never going to go to jail. What I would tell to anybody is know that if you've been a victim of a fraud or somebody you know has been a victim of a fraud, you're a crime victim like anybody else. Unfortunately, fraud has a lot of social stigma attached to it. So don't be afraid of being a victim. Let people know, report it, and you can help protect a lot of people, not just yourself and your loved ones. Fraud.org is where you want to go. John, thank you for your time. It's my pleasure, Herb. Straight ahead, a warning about those peer-to-peer payment apps, plus some advice from me, the consumer man. This is Consumerpedia, powered by Checkbook.org. Consumerpedia Fast Facts Scammers stole a lot of money last year. Based on reports filed by the Federal Trade Commission, fraud victims lost nearly $8.8 billion. That's $2.6 billion more than in 2021. Victims reported losing the most money to scams that started on social media. But scammers who called tended to get the most money from their victims. Younger adults, those aged 20 to 29, reported losing money more often than older adults, 70 to 79. But when older adults did lose money, they lost more than anyone else. 
Kimberly Palmer is a personal finance expert at the website NerdWallet. Thank you for having me. I know one of the things on your list is the need to get your free credit report every single year, a thing that a lot of people don't do. Getting your free credit report is so important because often the first sign that there's been any sort of identity theft or breach of your personal information, your personal financial data, the first place you see that is on your credit report. And so pulling it and combing through it, checking for any mistakes, anything that shouldn't be there, that's the first step you can take to protecting yourself to make sure that if you do see an error, you fix it right away and you make sure no one has access to your lines of credit. So you go to annualcreditreport.com, the only place you should go set up by the Federal Trade Commission, because if you just Google free credit report or something, who knows where you're going to wind up, and you get the reports from Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion. You have to request one from each of the three major agencies. And what do you do when you get it? Because I've got them. There's a lot of information there. There's so much information. So you want to find a quiet hour or so and comb through everything on there. What you're looking for is mistakes, accounts you don't recognize, names, addresses, you don't recognize, you might find that there's something on there that doesn't even belong to you that's been hurting your credit. And you can request to get that removed and just make sure it's all cleaned up. You might also see the first sign of identity theft can be where someone has applied for a line of credit that you don't recognize. So that's why if you see any accounts on there that don't seem familiar to you, you want to investigate and shut them down if, if that's the case. Should you also be looking for possible legal things that you weren't involved with, like a bankruptcy or a whole bunch of late payments on accounts that you weren't late on or something like that? Absolutely, because mistakes get made and it's possible that your name and identity has been con just confused with someone else's. So you might actually have things bringing down your credit, things like unpaid bills, a bankruptcy that actually isn't yours, and you can get that removed. You have to fill out a form in writing and make sure you get those mistakes corrected. It does take some time and effort but it's worth it to make sure your credit is accurately reflected on there. So it's a really good idea to check that. And I think it's worth noting too, that you can actually get your credit report weekly for free through the end of this year. One thing a lot of people don't realize is you don't get your credit score when you get your credit reports. A credit score is something else that is generated from your credit reports, but you can sign up and many banks and credit cards offer free credit scores so you can keep track of that as well. That's right. And I do think that's such a good distinction to make because it can be really confusing. Your credit report, of course, what's on there determines your credit score. All of that is a factor that goes into it, but your credit score is something separate, something different. And so you can get access to that in other ways, like you mentioned, a lot of financial institutions offer that for free through your account. So there's plenty of ways to get access to your credit score. And of course, it's also a good thing to monitor. So not only do you want to know your credit score because it can affect a lot of things in life, but it's also a fraud fighting tool, right? It is because if you suddenly notice that your credit score has dropped and you don't know why that is, it could be that someone has actually stolen your identity, is pulling out credit lines in your name, and that can actually be the first sign of a problem. And so that's why it's such a good fraud fighting tool just to be informed and to know what your credit score is so you know when it changes and you can investigate if you don't know why. As you know, a lot of people these days are using peer-to-peer -peer apps, these payment apps, to not only share money with friends, which is what they were designed for, but to buy things. People need to be very, very careful, probably not do that, to buy things using a peer-to-peer -peer app. That's right, because as the name implies, peer-to-peer, -peer, these apps are really designed to send money between friends. So they're designed for situations where you go out to dinner and you need to split up the costs and you know the people that you're sending money to. You've met them, they're your friends. 
ones. The risk that people run into is when you start using them to send money to strangers or people you don't know because you're making purchases online, you are left unprotected because you could send money and then you might not get the product or service that you think you've purchased and you don't have much recourse. And so it's really a dangerous tool to use when you are using it to pay a stranger. And what you also have to be really careful for is that there are so many fraudsters on these apps now sending payment requests. So you might see a stranger request pop up that is asking you to send money to them. And when you're not paying attention, you're multitasking, it's so easy to think it's legitimate and to go ahead and send payment. But you want to be so careful not to do that because once you send money through these apps, it's almost impossible to get the money back. And surprise, surprise, even if the app is Zelle, which comes through your bank, they may not be willing to help you if you send the money to the wrong person or get scammed. Well, that is what is so frustrating is that there is a lack of backup protections when people do make honest mistakes. And I've had this happen to me myself where I get a payment request and it's so easy to think that it is legitimate or for someone you actually owe money to. And all it takes is you clicking a button and you've sent the money. And once you send it, it is just impossible or so hard to get back, even if it's a simple mistake. So that's why you want to make sure, double check who you're sending money to, avoid sending money to strangers and really only use these apps for money exchange between friends. As with anything else, slow down. Before we let you go, Kim, I know one of your big tips for folks is to make sure you have that emergency fund set up for a rainy day. Why is that so important? Having an emergency fund is such a valuable way to protect yourself. So if you suddenly have an unexpected cost or you lose income, you can turn to that instead of turning to a high interest credit card or other types of predatory loans or high interest loans. So basically it gives you that safety net so you can get through a difficult time. Kimberly Palmer is a personal finance expert at NerdWallet. You can check them out for all sorts of advice at nerdwallet.com. Kim, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. Before we go, my tip. You know, in this fast-paced digital world of ours, there's no undo button. So you need to stop and think before you provide your personal information to anyone, no matter how legitimate they may sound. Give out your social security number or credit card number to a clever scammer on the phone or a bogus website run by criminals, and there's no taking it back. So stop, think, and when in doubt, check it out before you do anything. Remember, in most cases, there's no undo button. Well, that's it for this special Consumer Protection Week edition of Consumerpedia. Remember, you'll find all sorts of great advice on our website all year long, checkbook.org. Make sure you subscribe to us on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And rate this episode. Remember, we release new ones every other Thursday. Another way you can support us is to follow us on Consumerpedia on Facebook and Instagram or My Consumerpedia on Twitter. I'm Herb Weisbaum, the Consumer Man. Thanks for listening. Consumerpedia is a public service of Checkbook.org. We're a unique nonprofit that helps you save money and make smarter choices. You can count on Checkbook to help you find the best services and avoid the worst with local ratings that are accurate and unbiased. If you live in or around these seven cities and haven't joined Checkbook yet, check us out. Boston, Chicago, Philadelphia, Seattle, San Francisco, Minneapolis-St. Paul, and Washington, D.C. To get your free 30-day subscription, go to checkbook.org slash consumerpedia. If you like what you've heard, we hope you'll become a supporter by using the link at the bottom of the show notes to make a small contribution each month. Consumerpedia, empowering consumers to save money and make smarter choices.